RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, and we've got a great show for y'all here today. We've got uh, three rounds of action, I guess we'll call it. We're gonna, we'll start things off here shortly with our interviews. Uh, we got three fighters that are going to join us this evening, and it's going to be uh, all three from next weekend's Valor 70 card that goes down on Friday, March the 6th, from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, tonight, we're going to have one half of the main event on the line. Jared Short's going to join us, as well as two undefeated prospects, both from KMAA, both 3-0. and uh, Dan Bailey's going to join us, as well as Jackson Donovan. We're going to talk to those guys in just a sec. And after that, we're going to go back. We're going to recap everything that happened this past weekend. We had Bellator 239, uh, as well as Bellator 240. Uh, and then we had the UFC Auckland card. And then, of course, the big uh, Wilder and Fury card. And then we're going to round it out with a preview of uh, this weekend's UFC Norfolk show. Justin, it was a busy uh, fight weekend this past weekend. Yeah, man. Tons of fights. It was uh, plenty to plenty to watch this weekend. It was one of those weekends where uh, I got my fill for sure. Saturday night was a long one. You know, they started at 4 o'clock with UFC and then the Wilder fight went off at like 12 or 12 30 something like that so it was like seven or eight straight hours of combat sports i was i was pooped uh but uh yeah man we're gonna we're gonna get into it this week we're gonna recap all that and as well as uh, preview this uh, upcoming norfolk card which is lackluster to say the best man it's kind of one of those cards where you know i guess they're doing 10 shows in 10 weeks so they just just kind of squeeze this one in there it feels like yeah there's um other than the main event there's really nothing on it i guess just, you know a few names but um, not, not real big competition uh, up against them. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's it's a very lackluster card. Calm before the storm, though, because they got a big one uh, next week. A big uh, pay per view event with two title fights. I'm excited to get into that one next week. But for now, let's get into round one here, and it's going to be our interview portion of the show. And we're going to start things off with Jackson Donovan. Let's get Jackson on the line. All right, on the line joining us first tonight, we have got undefeated Bantamweight prospect Jackson Donovan on the line. Jackson, how's it going? I'm doing good. I just went to the gym uh, after some hard training. Very good, man. Very good. Well, you know, it's I'm excited to have you on. This is the first time you've been on uh, the Valor Hour, a Valor Hour virgin, if you will. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get the ice broken and uh, start off with uh, informing our listeners a little bit of your background in case they're not familiar with yourself. Uh, maybe just uh, give us a little uh, information on, uh, you know, how you got into training, what brought you into MMA. Sure. Um, pretty much how I got into MMA was it was fifth grade and I was 12. Um, I was kind of getting bullied around school and stuff like that. Kids would throw me around. Um, my mom's boyfriend at the time said, let's go to this MMA place and you better be respectful or they'll rip your head off. So I tried <laughs> it reluctantly. Um, they taught me some really good stuff and I ended up going back to the school and uh, teaching the boys a lesson. So that's how nice. I got started. 
Hey, and you know, for the listeners that don't know, that don't know that you're only 19 years old. Uh, you know, you made your debut last year in May. I want to say it was April or May, and you just turned 18. Already had three fights, so you know, getting some uh, good activity under your belt early. Uh, yet to leave the first round, all three of your fights. First round finishes, uh, you know, currently ranked number four in the state as uh, an amateur bantamweight, um, you know, and you're training there under a great team at uh, KMAA with uh, Eric Turner and Joey Zonar. Uh, talk a little bit about that, you know, the, the training over there at KMAA and what, what's getting you ready for this fight. Of course, uh, you're, you've got a fight coming up next weekend. It is the feature bout at Valor 70 at the Cotton Eye Joe, where you fought, I think, all of your fights thus far. You've got your 3 0 with the Joe taking on Bradley Brakefield who will be your most experienced competition to date. He's coming in at three and two, I believe is his record. And uh, he's, he's knocked off some guys here on Valor. He, he's, uh, he, you know, he's kind of 50, 50, he's back and forth, but he's fought pretty tough competition and uh, be a little step up for yourself. Yeah. So the um, training at KMA is great. Of course, Eric Turner is a mastermind. He's one of the smartest people I know. Joey is right there helping him out. Also Dre, Dre Miley, a big inspiration to me and kind of like my mentor has really, really helped me out. Um, the training is really great. It's the best gym around, you know, pretty much in Tennessee. So we do a lot of great things. We have a lot of good fighters. I train every day, sometimes five to eight hours a day, you know, and I've really made it my life. And um, it's just a really good place. They've been like my family since I was 12. And I wouldn't want to go anywhere else there. They treat me great. They treat everyone great. And there's a lot of good fighters. Um, now on to Bradley Brakefield. I think he's a very tough warrior. He's been through a lot. Uh, he seems like he's got a great spirit and stuff. Um, and I'm really excited to face him. He seems like a nice guy. But in order to attain my dreams and in order to go get that 135 belt and the 125 belt, he's got to go down. I'm taking him down. Um, he's got kind of some good striking. He's tough. But I see a lot of holes in his game, and I'm going to exploit those holes. And he's going down next Friday. Hey, I love the attitude, man. You're looking to go four and zero at the Joe, and uh, you know Bradley's a guy that he he's fought one of your teammates actually, and Anthony Cochran, the Sea Goat as we affectionately call him. Uh, always a, a fun one to watch. And, you know, I know you've been doing some training with Anthony because he's got a fight coming up this same card. Has he had any insight uh, into his bout with Brakefield? Because they went all the rounds. He went. He was in the cage with, for nine full minutes with him. Oh, 100%. I got to give Bradley top props for, you know, surviving against Anthony because Anthony is a monster. You know, he's a little back and forth, but he is a killer. So he's giving me hard rounds. He's a uh, He's really given me some good insight on what Bradley's about, some of his moves and stuff like that. And he's kind of built the same as uh, Bradley, you know what I mean? So he's given me a lot of good advice and stuff like that. So he's really been a big help this camp. And, of course, so many other guys over there getting ready. I believe last I counted, uh, we have a total of 16 bouts on this card. And if we were ever going to subtitle one, KMA versus everyone, this will be the one. I believe the last count that 14 out of 16 bouts – has KMAA versus someone. So a lot of people getting ready. What's the vibe like over there at the gym with so many people kind of, you know, peaking at the same time? Oh, it's awesome. You know, all of the sparring days have been like war zones because we're all in that mood. We're on that grind, you know, we're ready to go to war and we're ready to kill. Um, everyone is really tough. Like I said, I think all my teammates, pretty much they're all better than me. I learned so much from them and I'm just so blessed to, you know, have them as teammates. I think every single person that's fighting one of my teammates Next, not this Friday, but next Friday is going down. They're, they're ready. They look better than ever, and I'm really proud of them. So we're going to have a good day for sure.
Hey, man, that would be super impressive to go 14 and 0. Uh, that would be uh, unheard of, honestly. I don't I don't know that I've seen that before. So if that happens, man, that would be uh, quite the feat. Definitely, definitely something to be proud of. You know, uh, you, you we, t- can do it, we can do it. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. No doubt. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the event. You've had all three of your fights at the Joe. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere there and, and why it's a show that uh, people don't want to miss next Saturday. You know, the Joe's a great place. It's an entertainment place. I know a bunch of college kids and people that go there all the time. And to add something like fights all the time at the Joe is really awesome. It's like a extra added entertainment, you know what I mean? It really, to miss it is insane because you take the UFC, uh, which is a great company, and they charge you a lot of money to see some good fights. But you can see just as good fights right at the Joe for, you know, very cheap, but also amazing quality. So really, everyone should come out there and see a bunch of great fights. I'm hoping my fight is, you know, maybe the fight of the night. Uh, I think he's going to give me a good test, and I think we'll put a good one on. But people, you know, they don't. most people don't have anything going on Friday nights. You know what I mean? They're sitting around, yeah. hanging out. They should come out to the Joe. Most definitely, most definitely. So uh, let's talk a bit about your goals here, man. You know, you're a young buck in this game, but but you've been training for like seven years. So although you're young, you're also kind of seasoned to a degree, just that you've been in the gym so long, kind of uh, liking you to like a Chase Boutwell uh, type, you know, that's just, you know, he turned 18 and he was already just, you know, so had such a good base because he'd been in the gym so long. Uh, you know, what, what are some of your short-term and your long-term goals? I know that you mentioned earlier that you got your eyes on that 135, 125 strap. Obviously that would be probably one of your short-term goals, you know, but long-term, how, how, how far are you looking to take this? Are you looking to go pro? You're looking to go to the UFC. Obviously there's no rush with you only being 19, but surely you've got, uh, you know, some goals in mind. Yeah, so when I started out when I was 12, I really started to fall in love with it. I got obsessed about it for about two years, kind of got burnt out, and I was, um, I guess I was worried about what people thought of me, kind of, and, you know, I was a middle schooler. I wanted friends going into middle school, so I quit MMA, unfortunately, to go play football and basketball. Took about a two-year break, came back when I was 16, then I had some personal issues I had to deal with, and then came back when I was 17 and have been training from then on to now, you know, I like to say that I could leave MMA and all these things. And I guess I've like tried before, but I really feel like I am destined to do this. I'm destined to be a world champion and make it. And, um, I just keep coming back and, you know, I feel like it's what I'm born to do. As for the long-term goals, um, I'm really just trying to get better right now. I, I look good. You know, I'm killing a lot of people, but I have a lot to learn in this game. No one's really ever a master of anything. Um, I took my first fight against Jay Chastain when I was a junior in high school. So I'm now a senior in high school. So I'm finishing up school. Um, then I'm going to probably get a real estate license. But I'm, my main focus is completely on MMA. I want to get experienced and eventually work my way up the ladder, go to Bellator or the UFC or another great top promotion and go as far as I can. I feel like I'm a warrior at heart and this is what I'm meant to do. So. So impressive, man. You're still a senior in high school and you're so well-spoken. You've got, you've got your shit together, man. It seems like you've got, uh, you know, got things planned out and I'm, I'm certainly going to say I'm impressed, uh, you know, still uh, trying to balance things with, uh, you know, graduation coming up here, I'm sure in the spring, uh, you know, while still training uh, essentially what appears to be full time, uh, definitely not an easy thing to balance. So uh, good on you for doing that. 
Um, what? Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, give me a prediction here. I'm not going to. Obviously, you think you're going to win. Both guys think you're going to win. But you are. You know, do you see you getting the finish in this one, or are you prepared to go? The th- obviously, you know, you're training to go the rounds. And is there a little part of you that maybe kind of wants to see the second round a little bit, just to kind of, you know, just to kind of dip your toes into that water because eventually it's coming. Of course, you know, obviously I can't kill everyone in the first round and I'm eventually going to have to get some work in the second and third rounds and maybe even one day up to the fourth and fifth. My prediction for this fight is I'm going to take him down, most likely submit him in the first round. If that doesn't happen, I'll wear him out in the first round, hit him with some good stand-up, really show my full mixed martial arts arsenal. And then I, my prediction is probably a first-round triangle or rear naked. And if that doesn't work... I'll beat him down in the first round and then finish him with something in the second round. So we're definitely excited to see it, man. Before I let you go, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any love you want to give to uh, training partners, sponsors, friends, family, I'll let you have it. And also uh, close that out with letting our listeners know where they can find you on social media. Um, yeah, sure. Let me, let me pull up my social media handle right here. Cause I don't have it memorized. Um, okay. So I would like to give a shout out to obviously my head coach, Eric. He's the mastermind. He's great. Joey Zonar and Dre Miley. Dre for really helping me out for these last uh, eight months, really working with me every day. Um, big shout out to my friend Dalton. He's a great supporter. He's my best friend. He probably has more confidence in me than I have in myself, and I have a lot of confidence. Just shout out to everybody in KMA. There's really too many people to shout out. They're all great people, and I couldn't do it without them. Shout out to my godfather, uh, my mother. And just all my friends that come out and support me and make my dream a reality. And make no mistake, I'm not being overconfident or arrogant. I respect Bradley, and I think this will be my hardest fight. Um, I'm just kind of saying what I'm going to do, you know. So it'll be a good time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And where can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah. Um, My Instagram is JD underscore dot 14. I post a lot on Instagram. I'm a very social and then my Facebook is just, you just type in Jackson Donovan and it should pop up, but I'm mainly on Instagram. So there you heard it folks. This is uh, one of the top prospects in the South coming up through the bantamweight and flyweight ranks for that matter. Jackson Donovan, you can catch him in the feature bout at Valor 70 next Friday night, March the 6th from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. You can get tickets at fighterticks.com. That's ticks with an X. And make sure you select Jackson Donovan's name if you want to give him credit. You're coming to support him. Thanks so much for the time, Jackson. Best of luck next weekend. Looking forward to see you soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Up next on the line, we have got one half of next week's Valor 70 main event clash. Seven and one, Jared Short joins us. How's it going, Jared? Yeah, going pretty good, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you taking some time off to chat with us tonight. I know this is probably what most call their hell week for uh, training. It's the last hard week generally before the fight. Uh, you know, you're coming into Knoxville after a little bit of a layoff to take on Tank Wilson Jr., a guy that has been he's had all of his fights since you've taken your break essentially uh you know you you went away for uh, for a couple of years coming back now and in that time tanks had four fights so you know you're coming into knoxville into his hometown uh in the main event uh with a very nice seven and one record you know um so we're excited to have you uh let's let's start off with giving a little bit of background since this is your first time on the valor hour and so the people that aren't familiar with you uh give us a, a quick little rundown of uh you know your background and 
training and what brought you to MMA and uh, anything else you want to add that, you know, you know, what you do? Well, uh, it's, actually, it's actually kind of funny how I started out. Uh, I was I was 18 and uh, I'd always wanted to, I played football in high school, but I never, I'd always watch UFC and stuff on TV, you know, like everybody else. And you're like, well, I, I want to do that, you know. But I never really had that push or, you know, anybody to really guide me towards that. So, I, you know, I just one day I kind of made a decision, you know, I said, I'm going to give this a try. And, you know, it, um, you know, after I, after I first started, uh, I got hooked. And, uh, I, so like I said, I've been in it ever since. That was five, six years ago. And uh, I couldn't imagine my life without it now, to be honest with you. Very nice, man. Now, and now you're up there uh, in uh, in Hazard uh, at the Viper Pit, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you, uh, we, we uh, haven't seen the Viper Pit in action now. It, it feels like in about a year and a half, two years. Uh, is this a little bit of a resurgence we're seeing out of uh, the Hazard, Kentucky gym? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're back and ready ready to get to it. Very good. Get a little light off, get Training there with Donald oh, yes, Peace, of course, who's a, who's a very, very good coach and uh, brought along uh, the brothers Beverly, uh, who we're all familiar with down here, very talented fighters from that same gym in the past. Uh, who are some of the guys that are helping you get ready for this one, you know, uh, for, for this fight next weekend? You know, uh, we went down with Ken and Stone and them for a few times. You know, we kind of kind of just going all over so we can get some looks, you know, traveling at different places. You know, it's always it's always good to have a game plan during the fight, but you know, you always want like the outside perspective from somebody else, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of like a different view, you know, something to make sure you stand out. So, you know, you, uh, you've got the fight coming up next weekend. It's been a couple of years since you've competed. Talk a little bit about that break. Was that something, uh, was it injury related career, uh, related, you know, or did you just get burnt out and just, uh, decide you needed to take a break? Yeah. Yeah, kind of a little off three, you know. It's uh, right. well, I, I had the. Uh, it, it's like, like I said, uh, I had my last two or my last fight is what it was. I actually took two fights within two weeks, and you know that kind of really wore on my body and and my mind a little bit too, because that's that's the one thing that people really don't understand about this sport. It's it's not it's not just a physical sport. I mean, it's it's taxing on your mind. You know, it just it really. If you if you stay at it long enough and don't give yourself just the little micro breaks, then you completely burn yourself out and you just you'll have to step away for a while. And you know that's kind of what happened to me. Uh, I was uh, I was actually really planning on turning professional after that last fight, but you know uh, I got denied by certain people, you know, up in Kentucky. And you know I, I guess it kind of just I, it it kind of took its toll on my mind. I was kind of kind of disheartened, I guess, you know, and. Sure. There should be no question that you're uh, have the ability to turn pro if you so choose. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking, but you know, uh, I, I guess other minds had other ideas, but you know, like I said, it kind of just disheartened me a little bit. And I said, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a little break and that little break turned into to about two year layoff. So, uh, I figured, well, it's about time. It's about time to get back. Uh, while I, while I can well, let me tell you something, Jared. Uh, down here in Tennessee, I can guarantee you that we can turn you pro when you're ready without any qualms at all. At seven and one, you you have more than uh, have earned that, I, in my opinion. 
Well, brother, I thank you. I thank you for that. I appreciate you. Let's talk about uh, what you got in front of you here next week. This is uh, Stephen Tank Wilson. He's the current Valor 185 uh, champion. This fight will be at 205. And it's it's kind of interesting because this is essentially a 205 fight between two guys that won't be 205 for long. You know, you're you're headed down um, into lighter weights at 185, probably, if I had to guess, or maybe even 170 in the future, potentially, I would think, as a pro. Uh, you know, Tank, obviously, has the 185 title. Uh, talk a little bit about this matchup, man. I know that uh, it is, without a doubt, the hardest matchup that he has seen yet. Uh, do you feel like that is the same for you? Uh, or, or, you know, is this something that, uh, you know, you feel, you've already seen this? No, you've seen a lot. No, no, this guy, this, this guy's the real deal. You know, I, I, we've really, we really started preparing for him when we figured out who he was and who he trains with. And, you know, he's, he's the real deal. We got to put in the work, got him to put in the work. And, uh, you know, this guy ain't no joke. And he's, He's he's a real he's a real threat, and we we taking this fight very seriously, and we put in the work. Hopefully, we can go out there and put on a good show for everybody. I love the attitude, man, and I'm really excited for it. It's going to be the main event next weekend at Valor 70 at the Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, Jared, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna before I cut you loose here, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. If you've got any sponsors, training partners, friends, and family, you want to give some love to, I'll let you have it, and then finish us off with uh, letting us know where we can find you on social media. All right, you know, start out, you know, first of all, thank Donald Neese, man. You know, he's he's always been there for me. You know, I've been there for him. We kind of like kind of like the little duo going on. You know, I'm here for him. He's there for me. He's uh, he's never done me wrong, and I don't expect him ever to, to be honest with you. And, you know, I'd like to thank my friends and family, you know, supporting me, you know, through all this. I'm <laughs> all my beats and my bumps and bruises and all that, you know. And, you know, uh, it did. It takes it takes a lot a lot of courage and a lot of a lot of commitment to to really get into this sport and you know to do well you know it's it's not so much as the want is is putting in the work and the time and the effort for it so I want to thank everybody you know who you are that helped me out through the way you know I'd like to give a shout out to Lucas Bramble you know he's he's another guy he he's been right there side by side ever since I met him you know I've helped helped him and he's helped me out a lot you know i i can't repay him for what all he's done all right and where can where can we find you on social media uh well actually uh got facebook but just jared short you can follow my fighting page jared short week short you know and uh i get back to you if you got any questions just uh just let me know and i'll get back with you this has been rising prospect jared short making his return to the cage next week in the main event of Valor 70, the Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can catch it live. Uh, and if you want to get tickets, you can go to fighterticks.com. That's ticks with an X. And make sure you select Jared's name from the menu so you can give him some support there. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for the time. And we can't wait to see you in action next week. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate being on the show. All right, our final guest tonight on the Valor Hour, another undefeated prospect, 3-0 KMAA's Dan Bailey. Join us on the line. Dan, how's it going? Pretty good, sir. 
Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here. Your last hard week of training before it is KMAA versus everyone next week at VFC 70, Fight Night at the Joe. Uh, you know, we were just talking to our uh, our previous guest, Jackson Donovan, one of your teammates on this card. And I was I was joking to him. I said, you know, if we were ever going to surname a card, uh, KMAA versus everyone, this would be the one. 16 bouts, 14 out of 16 KMAA. What's the vibe like? Dude, everybody's just really in a good mood. I mean, we're all really after it. I mean, you know the kind of guys we attract. Everybody's just ready to go in there and do what they do. And you know that's got to be good to uh, to to get everybody ready. Everybody's peaking, cutting weight at the same time. You're going to have uh, so many people from the gym competing on this card. Uh, you yourself, three and zero coming into this, and uh, one of the one of the prospects on the rise this past year, uh, 2019. Uh, you came out, you made your debut, and, and rattled off three wins, and uh, have looked very good doing it. Uh, let's start off with giving people a little bit of your background because this is your first time on the show. So uh, people that aren't familiar with you. Uh, give us some of your background and then uh, what uh, brought you into MMA. Um, I mean, I could answer the MMA first, man. I kind of stumbled into it, you know, uh, sort of like one of those situations where you're falling off the cliff before you even know it. Um, right. And I love it. Uh, used to be in the military. So it's, you know, it's good to be back to doing something where I train every day and get to do, you know, make myself a little bit better at something. Plus, man, I just enjoy getting hit in the face sometimes. <laughs> no doubt man it takes it takes a special type i think to, to to really love this shit uh you know you are uh your your brother ray uh hewlett uh just fought at the last show got his first win i know that was a big night for you guys uh you're looking to follow it up here next week with uh with what looks to be your toughest opponent yet stephen havner coming all the way down from indiana uh to take uh to take on the the hometown guy and yourself uh he's got uh uh, record of six and three coming in, but he's been on the shelf. It looks like for a couple of years, looks like he's uh, got some wrestling background to him. Uh, talk a little bit about this match, uh, what you know about him. If you've looked him up or do you just kind of leave that video work to Eric and Joey, or do you look at, look at your opponents too? Um, I'm kind of more the guy you put them in front of me. I'm just going to do what I do. You sure. know, um, Eric, very, very intelligent guy. Joey's very good at what he does. Like I trust them to get me through whatever. So, you know, I go in there and Dan it up. Heck, absolutely, man. Now, you've gone out there already and gotten three wins, uh, you know, uh, in your first three tries. You know, you're looking to go four and oh, move your way up the ranks. Uh, talk a little bit about your goals in this thing. You know, you, you're a guy that stumbled into MMA, like you said, a little bit later some, than, than most guys. You know, nowadays you've got guys that are, you know, like Jackson Donovan, for example, that started training when he was 12 years old. He's 19 years old now, but he's been training seven years. You know, so have you got a, a, a bit of a fast track mindset, uh, you know, as far as, you know, try to try to stay as busy as you can right now and try to, you know, work towards going pro? Um, or are you still kind of taking it, uh, taking it slow? Um, I'm very relentless in the way I do a lot of things. Once I kind of set my mind, oh, that's what I'm doing. And that's how I approach MMA too. You know, I train five, six days a week, every week. Um, I'm down to fight whenever they need me to. And whenever they say it's time to go pro, I think I'll do it. 
So, uh, so you have uh, aspirations of, of taking this uh, as far as you can take it. I take it, you know, you've got uh, a yeah, gym full of pros uh, there right around your same size that know what it takes to get to those next levels. So you're surrounded by people that can help you in that regard, obviously. Um, you know, uh, what is, uh, you know, do you have, uh, do you have aspirations of, of going pro within the next year, would you say, or is, is, is it something that you're just kind of, you know, taking it fight by fight, or is there a little bit of a plan in place or a little bit of a, you know, a path. Um, I think it's very much fight by fight at this point, you know, and that's all any of us can ask for. Sure. Um, if they keep going well, you know, win or lose, I'm going to keep coming back. So, well, you're training like a, a professional already. There. If you're training five, six days a week, you're committed to it. You know, like a, a lot of guys, especially on the amateur level are lucky to get in there three times a week. So, you know, you're really, you're doing it right, which I've, I've got to say, you know, is uh, commendable for sure. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, any prediction for this fight. Do you have any, uh, any sort of uh, inclination, how it may go? Obviously, you know, you feel like you're going to go out there and win, but uh, anything in particular you want to work on or, uh, you know, just looking to get cage time, take it as it comes. Dude, it's really all about cage time right now for me. The more time I can get in there getting that experience, that's all I want, you know, because I stay humble and hungry and that's all I need. <laughs> no, your last one, you didn't get much cage time at all. You're a guy that it feels like, you know, because I do the matchmaking, obviously. And, you know, some guys, it's just kind of <clears throat> hard to hold an opponent in there for them just for whatever, re you know, whatever reason. They're just kind of like stuck that way. And you are trending to be one of those people. It feels like it's just like, you know, we always have a lot of opponent. I feel like we always have an opponent change uh, with you. And the last time you ended up uh, getting a quick knockout over Elijah Gilbertson. So not a lot of, not a lot of age time there since then uh, I hear Elijah's gone over there and started getting some work in it. Came a, he has man. And um, he's a, he's a really good dude. It's really good to see him in there trying to get better, you know, cause his, his camp's going to be improved by that. Um, just like any of us when we all get new new training partners, you know. So I'm, like, really happy to see him. And like I said, it helps that he's just a good dude, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. He's a guy that I, that I you know, he hasn't had any success yet in there, but I always root for him because he's willing to step in, like, in the fight with you. I was like, man, this is a, you know, this is a tough one, you know, this is for you to be taking on short notice. I just want you to know what you're getting into. This is a tough fight. He's like, yeah, man, I'm I'm here, you know, win or lose. I'm here to go out there and, and do my best and see what I can do. And so I'm glad to see that he's taking his training more seriously and hopefully uh, he can get out there and, and get him a win here next weekend. Uh, before I let yeah, you, you gotta, go, man, I, I want to let you give some shout outs uh, where they are due. If you've got any training partners, friends, family, sponsors, even that you want to uh, give some love to, I'll let you have it. And then uh, round us off by letting us know where our listeners can find you on social media. Um, yeah, as always, you got to thank, you know, KMA, Coach Eric, all them, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, Lena, the trainer. She's really good. Uh, Lena Stair, um, my brother, Ray, you know, he's always got my back. Honestly, just a bunch of people, you know come out and support too i love all them you know anybody who's in there just trying to make some noise with you guys trying to throw down those are my people so yeah always a rowdy crowd uh whenever uh Dan, dan's throwing down at the joe so uh excited to see it uh, throwing people weekend. or throwing down my bad yeah right <laughs> both 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 yeah last time yeah you're throwing them around man <laughs> oh man excited for it again you can see dan uh in action against andrew havner coming all the way from indiana 
to test Dan the Man. Uh, and it's going to go down at Valor 70 at the Joe, Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you want to get tickets, you can go to fighterticks.com. That's ticks with an X. Select Dan's name from the drop down menu so you can show him a little bit of love there. And uh, Dan, we appreciate the time and uh, best of luck to you next week. Can't wait to see fight. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks so much to all three of our guests for joining us for interviews tonight. You can catch all three of those guys on next week's Valor 70 card. And we'll uh, be doing the full re, uh, full not recap. Uh, we're doing the preview and picks panel next week, Justin. And it's the final. No, no. The, the Saudi Daisy card counts. So it's uh, we have two more fights uh, left in our picks panel standing. So uh, that crazy gang will join us next week uh, for picks panel and a full breakdown of that full uh, Valor 70 card. And now we'll go to round two, and that's going to be a recap of last week's action. And it all started off with Friday night's Bellator 239 show. Now they had um, a show in Ireland on Saturday, Bellator 240. But I'll tell you the truth, I really – didn't uh, I saw Brent Premise won, but um, I, I, there wasn't a whole lot to speak of on that card that's of of interest to us. I don't think Justin, anything stand out to you that we need to mention? I I don't really have anything from that. Uh, a few people got some good wins in Ireland: uh, Liam McCord, Charlie Ward, um, Beck Rawlings. Beck Rawlings, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ricky Medeas got a good win. Um, it was actually a pretty decent card. It was. You know some some hot prospects, some good names that are that are up and coming that uh, they got to showcase over there. Um, uh, Stravanimal was supposed to headline it and got hurt a couple weeks ago, so uh, he was supposed to headline the Dublin card. And um, a couple weeks ago, he ended up getting hurt, and so one of his teammates, Liam McCord, stepped up and mm. and took that slot. Um, Aaron Chalmers got beat again. That's it's always fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I lost on him. I parlayed him with a couple other favorites on that card and lost. So, yeah. Yeah, he got dominated. Bellator 239, though, was in Thackerville, Oklahoma on Friday night. And uh, not one of their tentpole events, one of their one of their smaller events, but uh, pretty good on action. Uh, prelims, uh, it was Christian Edwards with the unanimous decision win over Marco Hutch, uh, Keith Lee, brother of uh, the Motown phenom. Uh, he, he got a, a decision win over Sean Bunch. I think that was a little bit of an upset, honestly. Sean Bunch is, I think, the Bellator guy. Uh, TJ Britton with a split decision win over Gabriel Varga, who is the Bellator kickboxing champion. So there's another uh, A-side guy, if you will, going down. Uh, Denise Kielholtz, who is the, another Bellator kickboxing champion. She got a, a submission, though, in this one with a rear naked choke over Christina Williams. And uh, that's one that uh, she goes to five and two, and they're talking about getting her into the title picture with one more fight, give or take. That's one that I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Miss Taylor Turner get a shot at maybe in the in the coming uh, months, you know. Um Solo Hatley Jr. gets a split decision win over Gaston Bolaños. Another A-side guy goes down here right now. They're 50-50 uh, on the undercard, you know. And, uh, you know, the, that's one thing. You know, the, a lot of the Bellator matchmaking is kind of angled towards building up certain guys. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this card shows you anything can happen, man. Like, they're, the, these prospects are still prospects, ultimately. A lot of these guys, you know, they're bringing them up from – 
low records and and putting them in there with much more experienced uh, competition and sometimes that's biting them in the ass josh hill gets a unanimous decision win over Vinicius zani grant uh, neil with a uh, a third round tk over claude wilcox and that rounded out the prelims anything of note there to you justin oh uh, yeah kind of like you said it's you know the, these guys that they bring in and build up you know they're they're running their whole career in bellator mm-hmm. but so you know that they don't have the luxury of just going and fighting you know a guy who's 0 and 2 or 0 and right. 3 out of the gate they have to fight, fight somebody that's you know got winning records you know, we saw with Aaron Pico too mm-hmm. oh, um, perfect example yeah and that this is this is a card that was you know kind of full of them the, the main card doesn't get any better as far as that goes um yeah I, I, I was really looking for for Bolaños to to come back and get a good win but um he lost a split decision um it was a pretty dominant performance for keith lee um those are the, those are the two fights i was mostly focused on um josh hill that was a good that was a good one for josh hill you know he's been around for forever too yeah he's got a big record 19 and 3 and uh that's a guy maybe you could see bellator starting to push into uh, some bigger fights there uh, off the prelims, you know. Main card, it was Valentin Moldovsky with a very dominant unanimous decision win over Javi Ayala. He just ragdolled him more or less, you know, uh, took him down and just, just uh, you know, dominated him, really. Ayala would get up and just immediately just get drug right back down. Uh, and uh, Moldovsky moves to 9-1, and one and uh, they, he keeps moving up the ranks here. Uh, then the other heavyweight fight was uh, an upset, a big upset. Tim Johnson, who a uh, former UFC fighter, he'd lost two in a row by knockout in, in Bellator. So, you know, you kind of see what the angle was here. Uh, Tim Johnson was being brought in to lose to Tyrell Fortune. Tyrell Fortune comes in 8-0, one of those decorated wrestling uh, champions that Bellator brought in at the same time as uh, Ed Ruth, you know, and uh, and Fortune just got knocked cold. In about two and a half minutes, uh, Tim Johnson spoils the party and uh, gives Tyrell Fortune his first loss, a big, much-needed win for Tim Johnson, and uh, I guess the, uh, the, the lazy matchmaker in me just goes ahead and pairs Johnson and Moldavsky up. Uh, your thoughts on either of these two? Uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of what we talked about last week with, with Fortune. You know, if he wanted to come in there and, and try to test out his boxing skills, it might not be the best idea. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he just got knocked dead. I mean, he got hit with a big, big shot um, and and went right down. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that is um, seems pretty obvious for as far as matchmaking right off the top. It seems like an obvious uh, a candidate for for fights for both those guys coming up. And then the co-main event of the night was uh, it was Miles Jury getting a unanimous decision win over Brandon Gertz. Uh, Jury needed that win. He would lost three in a row, and now uh, that kind of you know, brings him back into relevancy. And uh, at the end, he kind of jokingly called for a title fight and a commentary game. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely a big win for him. And you know, I like seeing that. I like seeing guys call their shots. You know, you don't have forever in this in this sport. You're taking big shots and. You know, uh, we'll get into it here in a little bit, but kind of like with Paul Felder, you know, Paul had an opportunity to take some gigs uh, a while back doing commentary and stuff. So now if he wants to leave, he can. And that's kind of what Miles Jury's uh, asking for, you know, trying to set himself up for a life after after fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he's still relatively young, I think. Um, still, you know, in his prime or, or, or right under it. And so he's probably got, you know, several years left to go if he wants to. But 
he needs to go ahead and get established, you know, in those gigs now if he if he wants to do it. So, um, big props to him. I think that was a uh, that was what he needed to do. Main event was a welterweight contest. Uh, the undefeated Yaroslav Amosov comes in at twenty two and zero to take on Ed Ruth, another one of these uh, these wrestling prodigies that uh, Bellator brought in. Um, for their whole career, essentially, Ed Ruth comes in at eight and one, and uh, Amosov gets a unanimous decision win, moves to twenty three and zero. Very impressive record, and uh, man, this was a good fight. Uh, it was, you know, both guys. The wrestling just kind of canceled each other out, and uh, you know, Ruth would take him down, but Amosov would just pop right back up, and so it wasn't. I was maybe more impressive that just how quickly Amosov got up, uh, over, maybe overruling the takedowns of, of Ed Ruth. Um, third round, it was very close, conceivably one to one, and the striking of Amosov was was the difference. He's just a better MMA fighter uh, than Ed Ruth is at this point. Twenty three and zero, Amosov looks like the real deal. Um, you know, is, is he does he get a title fight next? He get probably I see him probably needing one more probably in a big fight. Uh, before they give him a title fight. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, maybe uh, somebody like a ne- Neiman Gracie or something who, who's also beaten Ed Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they've got one there, man. I mean, 23-0, and 0, it's, it's he's there hard. He's Yeah, it, it's hard to get to 23-0. and 0. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're fighting. Um, he's got a couple good wins, you know, and this one, this is, you know, a, a big win for him, too. Ed Ruth early in his MMA career, but he's been competing his whole life, you know, at, at the highest of high levels. And so, um, you know, it was, it was amazing to me. Just, I mean, Ed Ruth's like, you know, a hall of fame American wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Amazon was able to, to stuff takedown after takedown after takedown with, you know, Ed Ruth just chain wrestling like crazy. Yeah. And he just can't get the takedown. And when he does, like you said, Amazon just pops right back up. And um, so that was, that was very impressive uh, that, that, you know, that he was able to to hang with or, uh, you know, excel in Ed, Ed Ruth's department there. You think this was tossing Ed Ruth in too deep, too soon? Probably, and maybe not knowing. I mean, you know, that's also 22-0 and is a good record to, to bat yourself off of, sure. too. You know, you throw that into your, your opponent's uh, combined records, 22-0 and helps, helps that look a lot. Um, and maybe they thought that Ed Ruth was going to be able to to take him down and, and do what he wanted, but um, you know, Amazon just just wasn't having it. And you know, I, I think that his his wrestling may have just been un, underrated um, or overlooked. You know, when when this match was made. And that was it for Bellator 239. Pretty good night of fights. Uh, I, I was entertained. Uh, it may have been just like me being excited for like what I knew was going to be a big weekend of fights. So I was like, went, went into this one fresh, you know. So uh, no Bellator this weekend. Of course, they are off uh, for this weekend. Uh, let's see. Moving on to uh, the, the next show of, of this past weekend. It was the UFC Auckland card on ESPN Plus number 26. And a uh, great main event. We, we knew that it was going to be, and it delivered. Uh, Paul Felder, Dan Hooker delivered a great five-round war, just as we knew they would. We'll get to that here in a moment. But uh, on the prelims, we uh, started off with 
um, a big upset. It was flyweights, uh, Priscilla Cachuera, well, who I, you know, never entertained winning any fights in the UFC to tell you the truth. Uh, she was on a very severe beatdown in her debut from in a mismatch, obviously against Shevchenko. But, uh, yeah, she got the better of Shannon Dobson in this one. Dobson came in at three and three and, uh, now it falls to sub, uh, 500 at three and four and, um, probably won't keep her job. If I had to guess in the UFC after this one, she got knocked out with a big uppercut from uh, Cachuera, who was just throwing heat right out of the gates. I mean, she just came out bombing. So I mean, she's got a fan friendly style and she's able to keep it, you know, standing like that. And uh, she needed that win. And she was like, Oh, you could tell that it just overcome with joy afterwards. She probably enjoyed that win more than anyone that night. She was uh, uh, super stoked. So uh, congrats to her. And then Angela Hill gets a unanimous decision win in her uh, short notice fight. Uh, she replaces Rachel Ostovich as she wins against the uh, Thai fighter, Loma Lubunmi. Um, Angela Hill just, uh, you know, very dominant and, and just a bigger girl, uh, better on the ground, and just uh, was able to, to rough up uh, Luke Boonmi, who I still think has quite a bit of potential. She makes 105. She's very little. Uh, but Angela Hill, it's a good win for her. She moves to 12-7. and seven And uh, and I, I found the stat I was looking for last week, you know, where we, you know how many fights she'd had in the past, however, three months it wasn't as many at that but if you look at the last 11 months yeah. she had six and 11 months uh your thoughts on these uh first two ladies <clears throat> fights anything uh move the needle with you yeah for sure <clears throat> i mean that's uh i don't know if Keshwara has fought again since since the shevchenko fight i can't think maybe she has i think she lost one more um i want to say maybe to like molly mccann or something like that she mm-hmm. went to and well she probably signed a three-fight deal coming in you know mm-hmm. and so this was her only chance to to show anything and she she came out of there and did it with a quick early knockout um so she, you know there's a possibility that she might get um you know get a get another call because it is a shallow division so um you know that there are fights there angela hill i mean she what did you see when you saw how many fights she had i, I didn't look today but she's got to be three or four in a row on a, on a yeah, win, yeah, on a she's she's coming. She's she's like I, I want to say she's like three and one in her last four, or something like that. She's she's been doing really good. She's just like fought everybody mm-hmm. already. It yeah. feels like you know. Yeah, I mean she she was on the Ultimate Fighter a long time ago. You know, she was one of the one of the early girls in the UFC um, in this division, and uh, you know now she's she's kind of trying to make a run back to the top. Um, you know, I guess in the beginning, essentially she was top 16 or whatever they had, you know, they did the tournament for this belt. Um, and she was in the, on, in the house, you know, and then fought for that. So, um, she, you know, was, was probably pulling the line, you know, just, just barely towing the line of getting cut from the UFC. And I think she's, she's making a resurgence now. Well, she had, she has been cut once, right? Did, yeah. did she get cut? And she got cut one time because I think she went back to Invicta and fought once or twice and then she made her way back. Okay. Up next, it was a hometown man, uh, guy. I mean, this guy got about as good a pop as uh, as Hooker did, honestly. Uh, Kai Kara France gets a unanimous decision win over Tyson Nam, who uh, falls to 18 and 11. Uh, Nam's a, he's a tough fighter, man, but uh, Kai Kara France just uh, he wasn't going to lose at home. And then we got a big knockout over Kanan Song, who uh, who starches Callan Potter, the Australian fighter, uh, with a big knockout about two minutes in and. Uh, Man, Song's a hitter. Uh, and he was—he's uh, a guy that I, I think he's—he's he's quietly like 
something like five and one or something in the UFC. Like he's, he's quietly just like knocking all these dudes out a uh, really good high action fighter. And then Jake Matthews gets a unanimous decision win over Emil Weber mech who, uh, you know, crazy Viking. And, you know, he, he came out there uh, guns blazing as we expected, but Jake Matthews just took him down way too easy. And, um, and Jake faded there late. He, he was uh, starting to gas real bad in the third, but he definitely already banked those first two rounds. Uh, your thoughts on these three. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a good performance from from Kara France. You know, Tyson Nams um, definitely on the down part of his career, but still just a super tough guy. And um, Kara France just, you know, went in there and, and got the job done at home. Um, Song, man, is he's just a hitter, man. At, at 170, that dude's got a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it on display a few times now. It'd be interesting to see uh, what he gets from this. And that was, a, you know, just the, the perfect performance from from Jake Matthews. I mean, Emil Meek is a dangerous son of a bitch, you know, like you can't go in there and, and just think you're going to walk through him. And uh, Jake Matthews pretty much did, you know, um, took the fight where he wanted it and, and dominated him there. Um, so it was uh, definitely a big win at home for him, too. And then, of course, rounding out the prelims, it was Jalen Turner getting a very dominant uh, TKO win in the second round over Joshua Kulibau, who was just um, just overmatched, man. He just uh, he really didn't have any anything for Jalen Turner, who was a big, shredded up, tall, lightweight fighting uh, Kulibau, who's, you know, seven up on short notice, uh, eight no coming in against limited competition, but also at 145. And he just looked smaller and softer and just. Uh, you know, tough, tough, uh, tough entrance to the big show uh, there for Cooley Bow and, and uh, a much needed win for Jalen Turner. Yeah, that was a uh, the size difference was, was very notable, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning. And, um, you know, the guy was tough and, and tried to go in there and fight. But uh, ultimately, you know, just just outsized, I think. Um, tough loss at home. But, you know, still, I'm sure he, I'm sure he had a great time out there. The main card got us started with one that I wasn't expecting. Zubara Tukagov, not saying I didn't expect him to win, but I didn't expect him to flatline Kevin Aguilar. Uh, man, striking looked great. You know, Tukagov's kind of a, a blanket wrestler, and I thought that if he were going to win, he was going to take Aguilar down and just, you know, lay on him because uh, that's generally what he does. But uh, this time he came out and he starched him, man. He looked great. And uh, a big uh, statement win for Zubara Tukagov there. Uh, you know, he's one of Khabib's uh, right-hand men, and uh, I'm sure that was, uh, it was a good win for him. And Aguilar, it's a tough loss for Aguilar because I want to say, wasn't Aguilar like 17-1 and one or something when he came into the UFC? Now he's just kind of, you know, destined to probably be a gatekeeper. He's not a young guy. He's, you know, he's mm-hmm. been around a while. So uh, tough loss for Aguilar. Uh, and then uh, what, and what was we, we knew would be a war, and it was a war, uh, split decision win for Brad Riddell, who uh, moves to 8-1. and one. He is uh, the, the New Zealand fighter there. He's a city kickboxing guy and just a very entertaining motherfucker to watch. He's uh, He throws. And uh, his opponent, Magomed Mustafaev, is another entertaining uh, striker, but uh, Riddell just a uh, uh, step ahead in this one. I thought it was super close. Uh, you know, Mustafaev looked good. But, uh, you know, Riddell's at home, and, um, you know, those close ones, uh, you know, usually go that way. Riddell uh, is a guy that I'd like to see. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's not a fight that uh, Holtzman would probably want at this point just because he'd probably be working backwards and in, in not forwards in the rankings. 
But dude, that would be fire. Yeah, <clears throat> both these guys impressed me. I mean, Tuka Golf, I've, I've never loved all that much, but I mean, he came, you know, just because of the wrestling style yeah. that he usually brings, but he came out there looking for, you know, the typical Kevin Aguilar fight, I think, and mm-hmm. Kevin Aguilar wasn't ready for it no. and, and got taken out quick. Um, and, you know, Zabara, you know, got the job done. I think he was, like I said, I think he wanted to go out there and, and have a war and prove to people that he was tough and mm-hmm. that he could hang in there, but um, probably a better result than, than he even wanted. Um, Brad Riddell, you know, he's a staple there at, at uh, that city kickboxing and, um, you know, he came in here and he just wasn't going to lose. It was just, you know, Mustafa is, is a beast, but um, Riddell just, you know, there was no way you were going to beat him at home. And he went in there and fought his ass off and, and finished it out. Marcos Rogerio de Lima moves up from light heavyweight to heavyweight and uh, takes on Ben Sassoli and uh, gets a knockout in the first round. Sassoli really just, I don't know that he's a UFC caliber guy um, here after this one. Uh, Rogerio de Lima, credit to him. You know, he went out there and took it to him, but he looked way out of shape himself. They're just, um, you know, he's not a huge heavyweight. Uh, and he's a guy that, you know, if you'll drag him to the second or third round, he'll gas. But uh, probably punch Sassoli's ticket out of here unless they keep him around for these for these Australian and New Zealand cards potentially for for, uh, you know, fan purposes. And then, of course, the feature bout, it was a dominant, uh, a damn dominant unanimous decision win by Jan Janan over Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Um, and afterward, uh, you know, I've got, well, first I got to say, just super impressive uh, performance by Janan. And I think that gets her knocking at, at the door of a ranking, probably. Probably get a big fight next, if I had to guess, you know, 12 and 1. Uh, very, very nice record. Carolina Kovalkiewicz posted on social media and stuff uh, afterward of her injuries and, like, said, she, like, she wasn't doing good. Like, you know, usually people or fighters will play it off or, like, I'm good or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, I think that could be it for her. I don't know. That's four in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she's going to be competitive with the ranked fighters anymore. And, you know, she's fought for the title. Is she beat Yoana? Or no, she beat Rose. Yeah, she beat Rose. Rose. Uh, but, you know, I just think those days are over. And if she's taking damage like this, then I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> I mean, she, she was she was hurt bad in that first round, I think. Um, you know, and if there was ever a time that as a corner, I think you, you should probably throw in the towel is a time like this. I mean, yeah. she was – she was asking to get out of the fight, okay. basically. You know, I mean, she knew she was hurt, and there was no way that she was going to win this fight. There was no way she was coming back. There was no reason to continue to take damage. Um, you know, if she is planning on having a career, that's just taking years off of it. The more damage she takes in a fight that she's going to lose. Um, so that was, a, I feel like, a poor job from, from her corner staff there, you know. Um, she was basically covering her eye the whole time yeah because she couldn't see out of it you know the way that it was messing up her vision um you know and that, that started early in the fight so that was a tough one um i don't know what else she has to do outside of fighting you know this might be beyond the only thing that she has you know i feel like she's still young i feel like she's still in her mid to late 20s maybe mm-hmm. and, um she's i don't know we'll see it's also you know 115 is still a light division you know it's a small small division so there may be some room for there for a little while um but i could definitely see her calling it after that yeah i mean most fighters generally at that level are trying to reach the top and Mm -hmm. i don't think there's 
a whole lot of argument that she's even competitive with ranked fighters right now at yeah. this point. So it's like she's been to the precipice almost to the top. You know, mm-hmm. she saw, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel there, but didn't get it done. You know, I don't know. She strikes me as the type that would want to just kind of be a, a gate, like a known gatekeeper, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, like a. Um, I'm trying to think of a good uh, example of one that in the in the male division, but like a almost like a Sam Alvey, you know, who's just mm. kind of resigned himself to like that's eh, whatever, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go fight and just put on a show, but I don't think that's probably her story. Mm. But at, at you know, if she is 27, 29, I don't know how old she is, but she could, you know, like what Angela Hill's doing. And, yeah, you know, fair she, enough. If she goes on a four or five fight win streak, she turns something around and goes on a, on a good streak. She's back in the top ten. Um, you know, in, in a small weight class. Very, very true. Co-main event, it was uh, not a lot of drama in this one. Jimmy the Brute Crew improves to 11-1 with a Kimura win in the first round over, over Michael Olachechik, who just really never got anything going at all. I thought that Crew may stand with him and, you know, try to bang, in which point I thought that, that would be close or Olachechik would even have an advantage, but Crew just took him right down dominated him on the ground and uh, gets that win there at home. And Ochechuk, uh all of a sudden goes from being like a really high prospect a couple of fights ago to like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, a, a, you know, definitely a much needed win. Jim Crute coming off of his first loss. He's at home. Um, you know, he said that, that he's never been, you know, he's always a little nervous before the fight, but it's never been this much before, you know, probably yeah. coming off your first career loss and, you're the co-main event, you know, you got to keep the, you know, your team's rolling on a roll right now. You got to keep the energy going for, for your teammate that's coming up mm-hmm. um, to close the night out. And um, he went out there and, you know, it, it looked like he was, he was coming to close the show. You right. know, he, he didn't want to, he didn't want to take chances. He didn't want to uh, stand and play around any, he knew what he wanted to do and he went in there and did it. Um, you know, and that's his second Kimura. I heard today that, um, there's only five guys in the UFC have, have ever gotten two Kimuras, and no one's ever had three. That's crazy. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that is uh, that's surprising for sure. Yeah, he made it a five-way tie for people who have two, but no one has more than that. Well, it seems like a very breakable record. Yeah, especially especially <laughs> at, at uh, twelve fights in, you know. Right. The main event it lived up to uh, to all the hype, man. It was uh, Dan the Hangman Hooker fighting at home. He it was his, this was his his card, if you will. You know, this is a uh, uh, homecoming for Dan Hooker taking on the Irish Dragon Paul Felder. He called him out in his post fight interview. Uh, you know, and. Paul Felder uh, and he—they kind of sold the fight there towards the end. There was a little bit of a little bit of talk, a little bit of beef. I I think in hindsight that was they were just trying to sell the fight essentially more than anything. A lot of respect between these two, but man, what a close fight! I I I've seen trolls out there saying that Felder got robbed, and like this one was way too close to say that anybody got robbed. It was a split decision. Like three or four of the five rounds were so close that I don't have an argument really for either guy with a whole lot of conviction. So not surprised to see Hooker get the split decision win. Of course, at home, the crowd swells, you know, whenever he does something. So if you're, and when it's that close, mm-hmm. you know, then uh, you can't really complain about it. A big win for Hooker and it moves him into the top five now. Is he in the top five? Is he the number five he was, six? He was seven. Paul oh, he, Felder was six. So he probably jumps Felder. Cowboy was five. 
He probably jumps to five. Yeah, he probably jumps Felder and Cowboy. Yeah. So now he gets most likely a big fight next. You know, he's up there in in the in the hunt available. Yeah. The, right. Exactly. It's crowded up there. But now he's made a case, I think, for uh, you know, for at least getting one of those opportunities. Paul Felder hints at retirement afterward. Now he didn't commit to it, and which is a wise move, I think. And he was definitely emotional afterward. Uh, he didn't really like argue the decision. He knew it was a tough fight and Paul Felder just wears damage you know like he he looks beat up immediately in all mm-hmm. of his fights you know but he just kept coming forward and Hooker was throwing everything at him and Paul just ate it like like he does and um, ultimately you know he said that uh, he's got uh, you know his family his daughter he wants to spend time with and uh, you know he, I don't think he needs to do this Paul Felder obviously is a successful analysis uh, for the uh, or analyst sorry for the uh, for the UFC does a great job on commentary uh, and I'm sure it seems like a smart enough guy to have uh, managed his money properly over the years if I had to guess. So, you know, he doesn't need this per se, but I would like to see him go out on top. But I get the train of thought, you know, in that he's had some big fights in the main of, you know, he's he's had some wars, but he's never won the big one whenever it's come time to step up. So he drops mm-hmm. to number seven now. The top of the division fights are probably all booked up now, so he will probably have to take on nothing but young and hungry guys trying to come up the division, fighting his way, you know, backwards essentially. And just his style of fighting is so, you know, brutal. You know, he doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, lay and pray type fights that are easy on the body. So I get the train of thought. Uh, give me your thoughts on the fight overall. And then, the um, you know, Paul Felder's uh, uh, hinting at retirement afterward. Well, just to kind of continue off of that, it's, it's exactly like what you were suggesting about Kovalkiewicz. You know, the only difference is, when, you know, I was saying I don't know what else she has. Like, Felder has a lot to fall back on. Mm-hmm. But he's not there to 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 just play a part in this thing. You know, mm-hmm. he's not in there to play, you know, to stay between nine and, and six and just play that gatekeeper role. He wants to win a title or there's no reason for him to be doing it. He's got sure. too many other outlets right. uh, that don't involve getting your head busted up and and like you said, he, he has such a, a brutal style of fighting that um, he does take a lot of damage. You know, we've seen him go to the hospital after almost every one mm-hmm. of his fights. You know, there, there's a picture of the two of them in the hospital afterwards together in this one. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of him retiring just because why, you know, why keep doing it at this point? You know, he, right. he, he has a great career ahead of him as an analyst. You know, he's one of the best analysts that they have. Um, and he, you know, other jobs through ESPN and stuff, he's going to have an easy career for the rest of his oh, yeah. life. He can be part of the sport know, still, you know, and you know, he's not taking camps, you know, where he's having to leave home for three or four months at a time. He's got a small child and you know, all that, all that shit's tough. And just why do it? If, if you're never going to be the best mm-hmm. and you have other opportunities, you know, I think, you know, save your brain as long as you can, you know, live to be old and, and get to grow old with your kids and stuff. Um, so I, I kind of hope, you know, I, I love watching him fight. I'd watch him fight a hundred more mm-hmm. times, but I, I like the idea of him walking away now. I think it's a good step. Uh, as far as the fight, I, I scored it. Uh, I gave the first, second, and fourth to Felder. And I think two of the judges gave him the fifth. And one, it came down to one judge that gave uh, Hooker the fifth round. And, you know, I, I kind of, I thought that the takedown at the end gave Hooker the mm-hmm. fifth round, but I could see an argument for Felder. Um, but I had it three to two for Felder winning the fight. Um, you know, 
It is what it's hard to it's hard to say that this is doesn't play a factor, but they were in New Zealand. They're using, you know, judges from that side of the world and the audience does play a big factor and this place was fucking loud, man. Oh yeah. Like when like you said, when Car France came out, like we're on the prelims mm-hmm. and, and this oh, place yeah. is, is insane. <laughs> um and it didn't stop, you know, with all those hometown guys, it was just it was it was loud, but um, you know, Hooker Hooker was came in with those low calf kicks right off the bat and uh, Felder started landing some big left hooks and, um, you know, Felder was ultimately, I feel like, just landing bigger, harder shots. Mm. I think that uh, I think that he outlanded him um, in at least those three rounds that I talked about. Um, have you seen that, that verdict MMA thing? I don't think so. So it's, I don't know exactly how, how they do it. I don't know if it's a, it's a bunch of people that are involved or if it's a computer system, but somehow it tallies up a score um, for each guy and it's ranges between nine and 10. So you might have, you might get like 9.36 and mm-hmm. your opponent gets 9.57 okay. or whatever, you know? So at the end, you know, it shows the fight a lot closer than what it is. And it showed Paul Felder winning by like 0.23 or oh, something. Wow. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and, but I think, you know, we've got a lot of problems with judging. There might be something to look at. I've watched it for a little while now and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, it, it plays a factor into, you know, your striking accuracy, the damage you're doing, all those things. Um, but the fight delivered, I mean, it was, it was everything that we, you know, expected it to be. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it's a good win for Dan Hooker. I don't, you know, I would like to have even seen a draw in that fight, I think. Um, but, you know, Dan Hooker, like you said, he gets a big fight. He called for Poirier or Gaethje. Uh, I think he preferred Gaethje, but like you said, Connor, Connor and Gaethje may be matching up. So um, maybe Dan Hooker and Poirier next. Yeah, man, I, I I think that'll be a great fight. I just that for whatever reason just doesn't do it for me, though. Yeah, I just feel like that's all that's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that'll he, just wait. Yeah, he doesn't need to go down. He doesn't need to go backwards. I don't think. And um, so the only person above him, you know, he, he either fights Poirier or waits for a loser right. of, of one of these other fights. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think Poirier is a faster path to the top, maybe. Um, but it's a fucking tough fight, too. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those where, you know, you know it's going to be tough. You know it's going to be a war. You could lose, you know, but does a win do enough still to get you there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a tough call for sure. Um, I don't know, you know, people different strokes for different folks. Some, some guys uh, just want to be active and yeah. that's the better thing for their career. Some guys can take time off, you know, Connor can take a couple years off and come back and mm-hmm. fight just the same. Like he's never been gone a day, but um, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's a tough choice for, for Poirier too. I mean, it'd be hard for Poirier to accept that fight also. Sure. So that will wrap up UFC Auckland. Uh, real quick, biggest winner, biggest loser for you on this card. I'm going to let you go first because I always take all your all your uh, your shine. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I think this is a no brainer. You know, I think that uh, uh, Paul Felder. I mean, uh, Dan Hooker is, is the biggest winner of the night for sure. Just being at home, his first main event at mm-hmm. home uh, in New Zealand, and taking out you know one of the toughest guys in the, in a, in a crazy division. Um, and biggest loser is probably, uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. So, you know, she's never had a beating like that before. She'd lost some fights, but mm-hmm. she got an ass whooping in that one. I mean, she was, 
you know, in essence, had one eye for 10 minutes sure. of a fight, you know, with the girl that's coming at you. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I'd say Kovalkiewicz is my biggest loser. Well, I would agree with both of those. And those, those would have both been the ones that I picked first as well. So uh, just to be different here, I'm going to go uh, Jan Janan as, as my biggest winner. Uh, statement win over her best name to date and will likely get her a ranked opponent next, I think, for, uh, you know, a little better placement. And then, uh, man, biggest loser. That's, uh, man, I, I'm going to go with... Um, Oh, gosh. It's a tough loss for Aguilar, I think, just because he this was a fight that he needed to win really badly to kind of assert himself as like a relevant player. But uh, this this sets him back quite a bit. But uh, I guess I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, I am going to go with Ben Sassoli. I think he's the one that probably, uh, you know, he loses at home here. Unspec- you know, unspectacular performance by himself uh, versus a guy that, you know, isn't one of the top, you know, top contenders by any means. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It was almost like he was like brought here for Greg Hardy to begin with, yeah. you know. So I'd say it's a tough loss for him moving forward. Who knows? He may, he may get one more, but uh, it's probably probably not. All right, that'll wrap up uh, that event, and then we we closed it out real quick. We'll do we'll touch on this briefly because it's boxing. We don't normally do boxing, but this was a good fight, and a big fight. It was Wilder Fury two. It went down from Las Vegas uh, late Saturday night, and it ended up being a uh, I guess it would be a TKO win for Fury as uh, the corner threw in the towel for Deontay Wilder, who was taking a beating up to that point. He'd been dropped a couple times. His ear was bleeding. He was um, on Queer Street for sure for, I, I guess, a good three rounds, probably well, two rounds, two, two rounds, yeah. I would say. Um, and uh, man, Fury just huh, he just worked him. Uh, Wilder wasn't happy about it afterwards. I'll let you touch a little bit more on that, Justin. Yeah, I mean, Tyson Fury dominated him for seven rounds, you know, and you know, if you really look back at it, he won 11 of the 12 rounds last time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, there's no. No question, wasn't a question really coming into this. Who's the better boxer? It was can Fury or can uh, Wilder land that right hand, right. Um, you know, and, and keep keep Fury down this time. Um, but he didn't have the opportunity, man. Fury put on thirty pounds for this fight, came in and just bullied him, just walked him down, pushed him around, leaned on him. You know, he'd come in throw you know a couple punches and then just lean on him, make him yeah. carry his weight and. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, by the by the fourth round, I think he dropped him in the third. Uh, he was Tyson Fury yeah, came in. Yeah, Tyson Fury came in saying he was going to knock him out in the second, and everybody was like, "Oh, you know, you're fucking crazy. You're yeah. not. You're not knocking out Wilder. If there's a finish, it's Wilder finishing." Mm. Um, but you know, I mean, he he just he he dropped him twice and and was just beating the hell out of him. He was bleeding out of his ear, bleeding out of his mouth, and um, one of his corners threw in the towel. And like I said, you know, he was pissed off about it he's making all kinds of excuses now first i think they were saying that uh the suit that he walked out in was too heavy and it was cumbersome yeah yeah, he didn't have legs (laughs) going into the fight his legs were already gone because it was a 40 pound suit um you know guys guys train with 45 pound vests on all day long and it's not um that's not gonna gonna blow your wad but um now he's saying i think that um maybe that trainer had some connections to fury's gym and uh, wanted them to win or, or something and um, 
So that seems know. like one of the most absurd ex- excuses I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I guess he, he fired the guy like as soon as it happened because he wanted to go out on a shield and whatever. But I mean, dude, he's not a good boxer. He was going to go out on a shield soon. Yeah, he's not a good boxer, <laughs> and there was no way that he was protecting himself from these big shots from a 273-pound man. I mean, I think that, that this cornerman should be getting praised for – having the balls to, to step in there and be like, dude, I care about you. I don't want you taking yeah. this, this damage. I mean, these are big, big headshots. And, um, but you know, apparently he's, he's mad at him and, um, I don't know. That's crazy. He's got, uh, 30 days, I think to, um, enact his rematch clause. Um, if not, I think, you know, you get, um, you get, uh, Fury and, uh, Anthony Joshua and, Probably the biggest biggest boxing match of all time. You know, definitely, they'll do it over there. Definitely, though. In, yeah, definitely in the UK. I mean, yeah, you know, they would probably have to build an arena for for this thing. Yeah, you know, Anthony Joshua can sell out eighty thousand seats by himself. You put him in there with Wilder, man. You know, it's gonna be nuts. With Fury, yeah, yeah I mean, with Fury, yeah, um, it's gonna be crazy. And uh, if Wilder had won, you you don't have that. You know, with right. Wilder and Joshua doesn't sell like Fury and, and Joshua mm-hmm. does. Um, so I think it was a perfect, perfect thing for boxing. You know, several promoters involved in this. There would have to be several promoters involved to get that one done. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that's something I, I would like to see. You know, in MMA a little bit more. Um, what, what do you think uh, the odds are of Wilder uh, going for that immediate rematch? It's tough to say. I mean, it's it's almost impossible for him not to, like. You know, you, you get it while the getting's good. If you don't take it now, there's no guarantee it's going to be there. Yeah. If if Fury goes and fights uh, Joshua, they're going to be tied up for the next two years with rematches and, and all that stuff. So um, if he doesn't take it, then he has to go fight another one of these animals that wants that shot. And um, and he's been he's been exposed now. You know, everybody knows now what they need to do. Don't be scared of him. Walk him down, push him, and just throw punches. And um, so, yeah, I think that... You know, I, I think there's a there's a, a pretty high chance that he that he uh, enacts the rematch clause. But man, it'd be tough when you know when you take an ass whooping like that. You know, like I said, essentially he's been he's been beaten 18 or let's see, he's been re- beaten 19 out of 20 rounds or whatever it is. Yeah, let's see, they they fought 18, 19 rounds. He's, beat, he's been beaten 18 out of out of 19 rounds. Um, and you know that that I don't think that 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 right hand is is going to be the showstopper you know i think they with a lot of these smaller a little bit smaller heavyweights maybe but tyson fury you know ate one last time and rose from the dead and, yeah. and finished yeah. finished the round dominantly you know so um i, I don't know i i don't want to see it i want to i want to see joshua a lot of the mystique kind of a lot of the shine has more i had more off fury or not fury but wilder i thought mm-hmm. after this weekend yeah, it's crazy because you know he's still forty two and two. Yeah, well, he's forty two. He's forty two one and one. Yeah, he's got two losses. Does he? Yeah, he lost to Vern, but then he came back and knocked Vern oh, out. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I got so you. I he, thought they were both. I thought they both had O's there, mm-hmm. and then it was just the draws, the blemish. Right yeah, now. and um, so so yeah, I think he's got two losses now, but. You know, 42, 42 wins and forty knockouts. Oh yeah, or yeah. Forty one wins and forty knockouts, or something, something crazy like that. Whatever it is, and um, but you know, I don't know. I, I think he should, she should probably drop down a light heavyweight if he's gonna, if he's gonna keep doing. 
That'll bring us to our final round of the evening. It is a preview of this weekend's only action, and it is uh, lackluster, folks. It is the 27th edition of UFC on ESPN Plus coming to us from Norfolk, Virginia. And they got shit on worse than Nashville uh, get shit on for UFC quality cards. Although they do get a title fight, it is uh, Joseph Benavidez taking on Davison Figueredo for the vacant 125-pound championship in a very shallow flyweight division. Um, 12 bouts on the card. It looks like we've had some uh, some shit fall off. Uh, we lost Alex Oliveira and Mickey Gall. That would have been a rough night for Mickey Gall, probably. Uh, we uh, Steven Peterson pulled out on Elon Cruz. Elon Cruz got a replacement opponent. Mike Davis pulled out uh, on Giga Chikadze. Uh, Alex Munoz pulled on Luis Pena. He got a replacement. And then um, Chaz Skelly pulled out on Grant Dawson. That actually would have been a really good fight. Grant Dawson gets a replacement. Um, so on the prelims, we have got a heavy dose of Contender Series alumni, Justin. It is starting off with the undefeated Sean Brady. Uh, he is a Contender Series alum, uh, former Cage Fury champion, uh, taking on Ishmael Nardiev, uh, a guy who uh, had a lot of hype coming in, but he got beat by Chance Ring Counter last time out. Uh, so we'll see if Sean Brady um, can keep that O. Uh, Elon Cruz takes on Spike Carlisle uh, in a featherweight bout. Elon Cruz, eight and two contender series alum. And he has uh, made some appearances here in East Tennessee, man. As an amateur, he fought for cage brawl back in the day. Okay. Yeah, man. He used to come up from Tampa and fight a cage brawl up in the Tri-Cities. Uh, real good dude. Really tough, talented fighter. Got that huge flying knee knockout on mm-hmm. contender series. Spike Carlisle, a jiu-jitsu specialist, taking this fight on short notice. He'll be the underdog here, but I think he's a live dog. He, he looks like he's pretty solid. Um, and then, of course, TJ Brown, another contender series alum taking on Jordan Griffin yet uh, I believe a, a, contender, a contender series guy as well TJ Brown from over there in uh, Arkansas with Bryce Mitchell uh, and then Jordan Griffin uh, you know 17 and 7 he's got a lot of fights uh, anybody stand out to you on these first three uh, Alon Cruz and, and TJ Brown will be the two that I'm kind of looking out for um, Alon Cruz is, is he's dynamic and wild you know you never know what you're going to get um, so he's definitely going to be entertaining and, uh, you know, TJ Brown's going to, going to come in there to, to fight and going to grind and, um, he, you know, he's going to make a war out of it if he can. And, uh, I think it's going to probably be a nasty fight. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, TJ Brown's a guy that really gets after him. Uh, Marcin Tibura, he's been on the slide, uh, 17 and six. He's got the heavyweight bout against Sergey Spivak. 10 and 1. Uh, and uh, Spivak, I, I clock as the favorite in that one, although uh, both these guys are, you know, low tier heavyweights to say the least. And then it gets interesting. We've got Brendan Allen, a former VFC champion, a former Valor champion, I should say. We have two former Valor champions on this card um, that both held pro titles for us. Brendan Allen, our former middleweight champion, beat Sid the Kid Wheeler uh, back at the Coliseum a couple years back. Very talented young man. And he is uh, looking for his second win in the UFC. Um, he he got his first win. Uh, was it was it uh, Ryan Spann that he beat? He beat somebody uh, pretty solid in his first win. He's facing uh, Britain's Tom Brees, eleven and one. And Brees is a guy that's been out for a little while now. You know, he's he was kind of thought to be the next big thing for a while, I think. 
and then some injuries and some anxiety issues and stuff like that have had him out. But he's a very solid uh, grappler. And uh, it's a tough fight for Brennan Allen, tough fight for both guys. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's going to be that's going to be a, a, a fun fight, I think. Um, you know, big opportunity for Brennan Allen to to prove himself, you know, against a, against a, a top prospect um, in in Brees. Um, Tibera is always fun to watch. Uh, Spivak is not as much, mm. I, I guess, but maybe uh, Tibera will, will bring the fight to him and um, and get a get the dog in him and get some wars here. Then the prelims rounds out with two more. It's Gabriel Silva, eight and one. Uh, that's the brother of Eric Silva, and he's taking on Kyler Phillips, uh, six and one uh, fighter that we saw on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, series a, a couple of seasons back there uh that should be a fun one and then uh, rounding out the prelims it is former valor champion violent bob ross Luis pina one of my favorites man uh he is just re-signed with ufc and uh, goes into this new deal originally supposed to uh to face uh, alex munoz uh but munoz pulled out and they've got steve uh, Garcia in here to face him. This is his UFC debut. He contender series alum. He won on contender series, but he he missed weight. He was supposed to fight at 135, and he missed by like four pounds. So then he went up to 145 on LFA, and he won again. Uh, but he missed weight there by like one pound or something. And so um, he was in camp, I hear, for an LFA fight next weekend. So he was training, but it's a big step up here as uh, you, you've got a former Bantamweight facing off against a large lightweight in Luis Pena. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Garcia, man. Pena is going to be uh, tall, long. Uh, he's just, you know, he's a big lightweight <clears throat> um, with, with just dynamic striking and you know he's coming at you from from all different angles um so you know it's a tough tough out for your first for your first uh ufc proper fight and then of course the main card uh we've got some good prospects on the main card uh it's grant dawson who i'm real high on he's uh, another contender series guy he's 14 and one he was supposed to have a really tough test um, on his hand with Chaz Skelly. Skelly falls out, and now he gets Derek Minner, who is, uh, I think he's fringe-level UFC quality guy. He's 24 and 10. He's been around the regional scene for a long time with uh, RFA back in the day and things like that, but he's never been able to get, like, a big win. So uh, Dawson is one of my biggest locks on the weekend. I think we get a, uh, a finish out of Grant Dawson, likely by submission. Uh, then uh, Megan Anderson uh, makes her return at Featherweight. We've got two uh, Featherweight ladies fights on this main card. She takes on the undefeated Norma Dumont, who is 4-0 out of Brazil. And, you know, it's really just hard to say what you're going to get. She hasn't really fought anybody good yet. She's fought an 0-0 and an 0-2. And, you know, so it's just uh, it's hard to say what you're going to get. You know, uh, it's kind of the same thing with Megan Anderson, though. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about uh, Dumont. You know, I don't know how tall she is or anything, but Megan's a big girl. Yeah, you know? yeah, she's, yeah. she's a good 5'10 or so. And, um, you know, I think that she's she's got the right team around her, got the, the right people to to learn how to, to use those, um, you know, those those attributes uh, to her benefit. So she's going to be, you know, a good three or four inches taller, I think, in this fight. Um, but, you know, like you said, you just – Never know coming out of Brazil. I mean, those four fights, I don't know that she's ever had. This is probably her first fight in America. Um, and, 
you know, she, she could come in there and, and snatch an arm and, you know, go home. And then, uh, of course, um, your, any thoughts on Grant Dawson and uh, Derek Minner? I agree with you. I think that's that's a good lock of the night. Look for uh, look for a high play on um, on Dawson by submission if you can find it, uh, or or Dawson inside the distance. Feature bout is light heavyweights. Both uh, both finishers here. Ion Cutelabra. This is a wild man. This guy's uh, he always he paints himself uh, green and mm-hmm. he's like very intense the at the weigh-ins. He's like will get in your face and scream at you and shit. Like yeah. he's, he's a, and he, and he just ran through cool right uh, round tree, you know, who was, I thought was like on the, like real come up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taking on Magomed and Kaliev who started off shaky. If you remember, he lost literally with one second to go by submission to Paul mm-hmm. Craig. But mm-hmm. since then he's turned it around. He's got a couple finishes. Uh, this is a fight. I don't see going the distance. I lean towards Kutalabra oh so slightly, but uh, he's a guy that uh, he's kind of feast or famine. You know, he's going to go out there and he's going to maul a motherfucker or he can slip up against about anyone. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ankalaya's wrestling could be a big factor in this. You know, Kudla, I love Kudalaba's style, just the, his intensity. And, um, but he, you know, if he comes forward too wild, too aggressive, um, and leaves himself open, Ankalaya can change levels and put him on his butt, um, and, and could probably control him there for as long as he wants to. I don't know that Kudalaba's going to be that great off of his back. Um, but, uh, you know, just you know, you can get a knockout anytime with Kudlova. He's, he's going to go in there throwing big shots, and um, he's he's a fun guy to watch. I wouldn't miss that one. Co-main event: uh, Felicia Spencer, seven and one, and uh, you know there are not UFC featherweight women's rankings, but she would be towards the top of them, I imagine. Um, she is taking on the six and three. Zara Farn, a French fighter uh, who is extremely overmatched in this fight, I think. Uh, Felicia Spencer, uh, rightfully so, uh, a very heavy favorite. Yeah, this one's kind of, kind of wild for me. So, Tapology has Felicia Spencer at number three and Megan Anderson at number four. Like, why, why do you not just do that fight? Mm-hmm. These girls are on the same card. Do that fight. You know, the winner gets Amanda. It's, uh, it's crazy that, you know, um, number four is fighting the number 39 in Brazil. And, yeah. you know, somebody's not even ranked in this country. Um, and then, you know, Felicia Spencer's, you know, typology has uh, Zaire ranked 23 in the world, um, 20 spots behind her, you know. So uh, I don't know. I don't know why, why they didn't put that together. Um, and uh, her opponent's coming off a loss to uh, Megan Anderson, mm-hmm. you know. So, um yeah, what is, what does that prove? Like, what yeah. Is this? Yeah. yeah, so like maybe it's just to get Felicia Spencer a win. Um, I don't know. I don't know. This that this one just doesn't make sense to me. Why why these two girls aren't fighting? Um, but I think I they should, should have brought in Olivia Parker instead at four and out. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think that would have been a better matchup. Main event is for the vacant flyweight championship of the world, five rounds, and Joseph Benavidez will take his third crack at it. Didn't get it done in his two times prior, but that was against Mighty Mouse. Now it's to one Davison figure who uh, is a dangerous guy. He's a, he's a good tracker. He's got submissions. Uh, to me, I think though it's that big show experience that experience in five rounds that Benavidez has that will be the difference maker in this fight. If he doesn't get 
yeah, if he doesn't get finished early, if Figueredo is going to be dangerous in the first couple of rounds, but I, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think he's gone five rounds before Benavidez has. And so I'm going to call something like a Benavidez sub, like in the fourth, if Figueredo begins to, to fade. Looking to, did, did Figueredo get finished early by Mighty Mouse? He, I'm pretty sure he here. also fought Mighty Mouse. Um, he actually has not fought Monty Mouse. He lost by decision to Juicier Formiga, and that's his only loss. He's coming off a win over Tim Elliott pretty quick in the first round of submission. Okay, yeah, and then a, 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 a win over uh, Pantoja yeah. before that, you know, and John Morongo as well. He's got some some good wins on his record. I think this is going to be a, a tough one for um, Benavidez, but, uh, you know, he's been he's – been, fighting for this and and you know training for this his whole life and um you know he's not got many many fights left really i think he's 36 or 37 so um i'm talking about benavidez, oh, benavidez yeah, shit. yeah um so uh i think it's it's time for him to to catch this title and and uh maybe breeze off into the into the wind yeah, man, um, I, I, I'm going to yeah, I think the odds makers have this line very closely. I think Benavidez is like a slight negligible favorite, like minus 130 or something like that. But I think there's good value there, honestly. Um, I think he'll be hungry for it. Um, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. And that is going to do it for our preview for the UFC on ESPN Plus number 27. That goes down this Saturday in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, we will recap that next week as well as get into our preview for the UFC 248 pay-per-view card. Two title fights on that one. And then we've also got our full preview and picks panel for Valor 70. So it's a full show next week. We are excited for it. That's going to do it for this week. Be sure to uh, like, share, and uh, rate us on all the platforms that you catch your favorite podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and the like. Spread the love. Keep this thing going, folks. And uh, until next time, for my partner in crime, Justin Watson, I am Tim Lloyd. We are signing off for another edition of The Valor Hour. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 